Take your Bibles tonight, if you would, go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is a familiar passage of Scripture. I'm going to begin reading in just a moment in verse 16, and we'll read down uh, through verse 20, and of course we'll reference back to other verses in this chapter tonight. The great Apostle Paul is coming to the end of his life and the journey that God has given to him. And this chapter challenges all of us in our Christian life to stand for the Lord and to serve the Lord till the day He calls us home. And that's a good reminder. Paul said he had finished his course. He had kept the faith. Thank God for His faithfulness. But let's begin reading in verse 16. Paul said at my first answer, No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. It's interesting, Paul, who had been given the apostolic gifts during that unusual time in the early church history, we recognize that miracles were done by the hands of the apostles as they were given those apostolic gifts. They're coming now towards the end of that time, now God is still able to do miracles. Could I hear an amen? amen? But we don't believe in apostles today like we had the apostles of that day. They were given a special gift and God had used them at a particular time. And you say, Brother Graham, why don't we have those apostles and those signs anymore? We have the complete word of God. And everything that God wants for us is right here in this book and is built upon the principles of that book. But Paul's coming to the end of his journey. He makes an interesting statement here. He said, Trophimus, have I left at Miletum sick? Now, I don't think Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to put that note in there that Trophimus had a headache or that he had an ingrown toenail. Or that maybe he was just feeling a little bit sick to his stomach. I think Paul was telling us Trophimus is seriously ill. And here God had used Paul many, many times to do miracles, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to indicate that God is going to allow him to bring healing to his friend and his co-laborer that is sick. And I want to just preach for a few moments tonight on this thought. In fact, as I've been encouraged... <coughs> To preach for a few moments tonight. And I've always wanted to preach a few moments. I just haven't always succeeded. I always feel good if somebody in the church mentions time. Because I've always found there's at least one minister of timekeeper. We have a young man in our church. He's on staff. He can probably tell you the length of every sermon he's ever heard. I think he starts a stopwatch or something. But uh, I hope that uh, the Lord will let us get the message out as quickly as he would want. I want to preach tonight on this thought, what to do when things don't go the way you planned. 
You think about life having sometimes our ideals, our thoughts, our plans, our expectations, and yet sometimes life throws us a curve. I pastored Victory Baptist Church for a little over 33 years, and, and God had blessed our church. And in 2004, we entered into one of the most challenging times, and I know that your church has been through it. We had a building program. When we were building our new church facility, of course, I got a lot of phone calls from preacher friends saying, hey, I heard you're going to build a new building. Yes. Well, man, get ready for a war. I said, what? Oh, yeah, it's going to get bad. Man, that's encouraging. And I want to tell you something. Thank God it didn't get bad. We bathed in prayer, and I told our people I'd rather meet outside and have the unity we have than to squabble over stuff inside a building. And God was good, and we didn't have any squabbles we were able to build a building. But something happened that I hadn't counted on. As we were in the midst of this building program, one of our good men at the age of 56 had an unexpected massive heart attack and he died. One of the most faithful, godly men, one of the most giving men in our church, he passed away. He had retired from the post office and he and another retired gentleman in our church, they would go out visiting three or four days a week, just knocking doors, inviting folks to church, sharing the gospel wherever they could and just what a blessing. What church wouldn't love to have somebody like that? And and you know what? Six to seven weeks later, his soul winning partner, his visitation partner, Brother Ron Courtney, uh, went into the hospital. He was having some pain in his back as he got to the hospital. They said he had a dissecting aorta. Now, Brother Ron was the picture of health. He was not somebody you would have expected to be sick. They went in, did surgery, never came out of the surgery. And Brother Ron went home to be with the Lord. Within the span of six or seven weeks, Two of our best men had died. Shortly after that, the man that was partly responsible for the church calling me as pastor, and by that I mean he had mentioned my name. They were having a meeting. Dr. Jack Parchman was an evangelist out of our church, and he had suggested my name to the church or to uh, one of the men leading the pulpit committee at the same time as they were getting ready to meet. Brother Tommy Sample said, hey, whatever happened to evangelist Ken Graham? I remember when he preached here in 1980, and I sure did like him. Have you all thought about contacting him? And, and uh, the guy leading the pulpit committee said, it's funny you would say that. Jack Parchman said, that's the man we need to call as pastor. Brother Tommy Samples was 54 years of age. He was one of the men on, the, uh, on our building uh, team as far as leading in the building program. He had been such a blessing. I remember one time, Brother Tommy worked. He was our resident comedian. He was a humorous guy, but he was a brilliant historian. He knew American history. He knew world history, and he knew Baptist history. He was a blessing. And uh, one occasion, Brother Tommy came to me. He worked as a heavy equipment operator. He came to me and said, Pastor, I know that we're short on teachers in the Christian school this year. And he said, I've talked to my boss and I've got it worked out. And I'm going to work on Monday and Saturdays. He's going to give me Tuesday to Friday off. And I want to volunteer to teach in the Christian school if I can help you through this year. I said, Brother Tommy, you can't do that. We, we can't even begin to pay. I know what kind of money you make. He said, I'm not even worried about that. I just want to be a help. That's the kind of spirit Brother Tommy had. And I got word that Brother Tommy had cancer. Man, we prayed and bathed in prayer. And I remember when the doctor came in and said, Mr. Samples, you've got cancer and, and it looks pretty bad. And, you know, we're going to try to do some things, but I don't know if we can help you. And Brother Tommy said, okay. 
And he said, well, I don't know if you really understand him. He said, yes, sir, I've got cancer and I may not make it. So what you're telling me? He said, yes, sir. Well, he said, do what you can, and if I make it, that'd be wonderful. I've got two daughters and a sweet wife, and well, I'd love to live long enough to see my daughters grow up and get married. But, but you know, if that's not God's will, it's okay. See, I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven, and it'll be all right. We walked out of the room. The doctor said to me, I don't think he understood what I just said. I said, I don't think you understood what he just said. <laughs> Sir, you've been in the presence of a real Christian, not a religious man, but a man that knows the Lord. I was with Brother Tommy for days and then weeks while he was going through his cancer. And sure enough, they were not able to do anything. Finally, it came towards the end of his life. And I was at the hospital and I had left for a little bit. And I got a phone call. Brother Tommy wanted me to come back. I went back to see him and he said, Brother Graham, I need to talk to you alone. He said, I keep telling my wife I want to go home. He said, but I'm not talking about the house. It's time. There's nothing else they can do. The cancer is spread throughout my body. And he said, I'm ready to go home, but I don't want my wife to think I'm a quitter. I said, Brother Tommy, I'll talk to her. And as I talked to her and explained things, she went in and after a little while, they're sitting there and, and uh, they're talking. And, and she said, Tommy, I want you to know I love you. And she said, outside of the Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And if I had to do it all over again, I'd want to marry you. He said, would you really? She said, I would. He said, how about it, preacher? He said, can we renew our wedding vows? And right there on his deathbed, they renewed their wedding vows. Within 24 hours, Brother Tommy went home to be with the Lord. I said to the Lord, that's three key men, three good men in the span of six months while we're trying to build this new building. Brother Tommy got to be in our building one time just before he we went to heaven. And Brother Tommy was the first funeral we had in our new building. I told the church this, and I told the Lord this. Lord, if you're going to keep taking them out, at least let me pick. <laughs> I mean, let me get some of these folks that are half-hearted. Lord, let me get some of these folks that are always griping about everything. You know, they won't do anything, but they like to complain about everything. Lord, if you're going to keep taking them, let me. Boy, we had a great altar call that night. I'm telling you, everybody's at the altar. Lord, don't let him pick me. But anyway, three key men. We're gone, and I don't mind to tell you, listen, my heart was broken. You've heard enough from my preaching to know like many of you, life has handed us some difficult challenges, heartaches, battles, and burdens, and the Apostle Paul is in a little while going to face execution for his faith in Jesus Christ. He, who had once been a persecutor of the churches and of the saints, now is going to find himself at the chopping block, as it were, to end his life. And in all of that, you would wonder, what do you do? When things don't go the way you plan, let me give you a few things and I'll be done. Number one, trust the Lord. In verse 16, the Apostle Paul said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray thee uh, that it may not be laid to their charge. Look at verse 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Paul said, I want you to know that in the midst of the darkest trial of my life, at my first answer, no man stood with me. But he said, I want you to know the Lord stood with me. And can I remind you tonight that no matter what you face, no matter what you deal with, if you know the Lord is on your side, everything will be all right. As long as I have the Lord, friend, it's going to be okay. But Paul didn't only say he stood with me. In verse 17, he went on to say the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Wasn't that a blessing? 
You know, the world would look at somebody in Paul's condition, Brother Tommy's condition. I would go see Brother Tommy at the hospital. And, and preacher, I cannot tell you the amazing things that happened during his uh, journey in cancer. And uh, Brother Tommy, I, I said to him one day, now Brother Tommy, no one's going to be offended if you take some medicine for the pain. He said, well, you know, preacher, it's really amazing. I haven't experienced much pain at all. Every once in a while I ask for a Tylenol. He said, now they've offered me stronger stuff, but he said, if I take it, I'll fall asleep and I'll miss all this good fellowship. And he said, people are driving 30 miles to come and see me. I hate to go to sleep on them. I'm thinking, man, if that was me, I'd be saying, y'all go fellowship in the hall. I'm going to take a nap. But I'd be in his room and it happened more than once. A staff member at the hospital, maybe a nurse, maybe an aide, would come in and say, Mr. Samples, I, I'm so sorry to disturb you, but... I was just wondering if I could ask you to pray for my family. I was just wondering, uh, Brother Samples or Mr. Samples, would you mind to pray for my daughter? Would you pray for my family? We're having some difficulty. and I know that you know the Lord. And my, you could just see the influence of his testimony in the last hours of his life. And even though he was frail in body, God had strengthened him in such an amazing way. Paul said he stood with me and he strengthened me. But look at verse 18. Paul said he secures me. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto His heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Paul said, I want you to know, He's preserved me. In other words, I may die physically, but that's not the end. Oh, I want to tell you tonight, folks, sometimes we look at the temporary, we look at the the immediate and we think man this looks so bad but I'm telling you you're a child of God you're headed to heaven if you're saved tonight and you are secure in the Lord Jesus Christ I preached a meeting many many years ago in Illinois and the pastor was very gracious to have me for that week of meeting I don't know I don't think I'd ever had this happen before but every night after the service the preacher's wife would confront me and she would say, I know you believe that once saved, always saved, but I just don't believe that. And so she would want to explain to me why eternal security was wrong. <laughs> and I would smile and say, ma'am, you know, all your arguments may sound good, but I've got Bible. And I'm not here to argue with you or debate with you, but I believe that if God said that he gave you everlasting life, it has to last forever. And she'd always have some episode or something. Well, you know, what if a person did this? What if a person did that? And I said, you know, the, the reality is if it was up to any of us, we wouldn't be secure forever. But we are kept by the power of God and He secures me. And by the way, let me say it like this. I have a no-so salvation, but you better know that you're saved. You better have a time that you can point to when you recognized you were a sinner and you realized that Jesus was the Savior and you repented of your sins and received Christ into your heart. Listen, if you cannot point to a time when you know for sure you were saved, you ought to get that nailed down tonight. But listen, if you're saved, I would not try to cause anyone to doubt their salvation. And I'm glad that He's my security. Trust in the Lord. But big number two, can I say when things happen and we don't know what to do, treasure the moments. You know, we need to realize that our time is very brief. It seems so funny to me. When I was a boy, I would go to church, and you know you hear adults having conversation at church, and I would hear things like this, boy, time is sure flying by. And I'd think to myself, well, you weren't sitting in algebra class this week because it wasn't going that fast for me. And I remember when I was young, I would think, man, I'm never going to be old enough to drive a car. 
Oh, if I could just, and, and don't misunderstand me, I knew the Lord was coming back, but I used to think, what if the rapture takes place and I can't drive a car? I mean, I'd like to at least get my driver's license. And then I wanted to get out of high school. And then I wanted to get married. And then I wanted to become a dad. And then I wanted to become a grandpa. And man, all the things that I used to think, well, the Lord will come or I'll die and never see those. Many and most of those things have come to pass. Now my principal when I was in high school, he said when I was a boy, he said I used to be so afraid the rapture would take place and it would happen before I got married. And boy, he'd say, I'd say, Lord, I want you to come back, but I sure want to get married. He said, then I got married and I joined John in praying, even so come Lord Jesus. Now that's not my testimony. That was his. But the reality is, we need to treasure the moments we have. I've already shared with you about some heartaches in our family, and I'm not trying to give too much personal illustration, but can I tell you something? Our time is so brief. Don't waste it in arguing and silly things that divide people unnecessarily. I'm glad when I stood at my sister's funeral in 1977, at my brother's funeral in 1981, at my dad's funeral in 2000, my mother's funeral in 2013, my mother-in-law's funeral in 2013, my father-in-law's funeral in 2018. Doing pretty good. Anyway, that I didn't have to look in one of their caskets with regrets because I'd gone through life mad at them. Or had silly arguments with them. Now I'm sure I had a couple with my sister growing up, but that, that happens. But I'm simply saying our relationship with each other was right. And they knew the Lord and they were ready. And though we sorrowed, we sorrowed not as others which have no hope. Realize our time is, is too brief for such silly things. And then remember the blessings of life. Paul said, I fought a good fight. He said, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Remember the blessings of life. You know, you can spend your whole life focused on one thing that happened and get all bent out of shape, or you can remember the blessings of life. God's been good. When I came to Victory Baptist Church, we were struggling in many ways. Struggling financially, struggling numerically, struggling many ways. We were getting ready to have men's prayer meeting one night, and two of the young men came in the prayer meeting. They were so excited. They'd been out knocking doors all day long. They were captain of a bus route. And they came in and said, Preacher, we are so excited. We have 75 people that have committed to ride our bus tomorrow. Now, by the way, let me just say, that's more than the bus can hold. You can let that go one time, but you better not let it go too many times. Now, they were excited. And by the way, they had the 75 ride the bus the next day. And boy, they were excited. You could see their enthusiasm. And I'll never forget it. One of our men, and a good man, but he spoke up and he said, well, I guess that's all right, but what's that going to do to pay the bills? I said, boys, y'all need to step out. And I said, dear brother, they're bringing 75 people to church. Why? I know, but they're going to be a bunch of kids, and what are they going to do to pay the bills? I said, you know, who's paying the bills around here is the Lord. And if we'll go after sinners, God will bless our church for that. And I said, man, don't kill the workers. Don't discourage them. They're going to bring 75, and I don't want to be unkind, but I've been your pastor for over a year, and I can't think of one person you've ever brought to church. So I don't think I'd hang these boys out to dry just because they're excited about their bus route. And by the way, it's not all about numbers. But listen, look at the blessings of life. Look what God's doing. 
You know, sometimes a church can get in a bind. Sometimes a family can get in a bind. Sometimes people go through a challenge. And if we're not careful, we get so focused on that. We forget how good God has been. And God is being and God will be. And then rejoice that better days are coming. Paul made it clear. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Aren't you glad to know there is a better day coming? Now, I don't mean that in a mopey, sad, horrible way, but I mean I'm enjoying my life. But there's a better day coming. One of these days, we're going to be in the presence of the one that loved us and gave himself for us. No wonder the songwriter said, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Treasure the moments. Big number three. When things don't go the way you plan, take care not to become bitter. You know, Paul made a statement in verse number 10. He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica. You know, it's interesting to think about Demas hath forsaken him. There are other places where Paul listed Demas as a fellow laborer, a fellow worker. And I will tell you how sad it is that uh, his name is now written down as one that fell by the wayside. What about Alexander the coppersmith? Paul said, he did me much evil. Boy, that had to hurt. The attack and the, and, the, and the mistreatment from Alexander no doubt would have been a very difficult time. In verse 14, he did me much evil. Think about this. He said the coppersmith didn't... And by the way, many are the people of God and the preachers of God who've been snared by the trap of bitterness because somebody wronged them. Let me just say tonight, don't raise your hand, but if you're, if you're here tonight... You say, well, man, I've never been hurt. Nobody's ever let me down. You're a rare person. Somebody said, well, I went to church, and th this probably doesn't happen in Missouri, but in Arkansas, you knock doors and tell folks, hey, we're just out talking to folks about the Lord. You know, you go to church anywhere. Well, I used to go to church. I know I'm saved, but I got out of church. You say, what? well, you know, I got hurt. Got my feelings hurt. You know, the preacher did something, or somebody in the church did something, and they'll begin to tell you about something that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And sometimes they can't even remember what it was. They just know they got hurt. So they quit church. And can I tell you something? That's no way to live. So, Brother Graham, you just don't understand what it's like. Can I tell you, dear friends, sooner or later, if you live long enough, you're going to get hurt. But you need to do what Paul did and just let the Lord handle it. Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Notice what he said in the rest of that verse. The Lord reward him according to his works. Paul said, God can handle the Alexanders. But I can't afford the luxury of bitterness. I can't go through life letting my heart and my life be controlled by the feelings that I have for somebody that wronged me. I can't afford it. I've got to, I've got to move forward in my Christian life. So, Brother Graham, they, they did me wrong. Hey, can I tell you, you and I may suffer some wrong, but none of us have ever been mistreated like our Lord was. And that's why I said, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We need to guard against bitterness. That root of bitterness springing up inside of you can literally render you ineffective for the cause of Christ. Big number four. When things don't go the way you planned, 
Thank the Lord for the faithful ones in your life. You know, Paul said at my first answer, no man stood with me. But he said in verse number 11, only Luke is with me. And Paul began to think about some people like Luke, the physician who was with him and the help that Luke was over the years. And I know there are many others that Paul talked about. He talked about taking Mark. And you remember when Mark and Paul had separated and, and, and uh, man, what a, what a division that was. But whatever happened here, maybe Mark had grown up. Maybe Paul now saw things in Mark that at the time weren't there. But whatever it was, he says, bring Mark and, and uh, he'll be a help. He'll be profitable to me for the ministry and, and Paul talked about Prisca and Aquila. What a blessing this team was. This couple was such a help to Paul's ministry. And, and he's thanking God for them and reminding himself of their faithfulness in the house of Onesiphorus. And Paul had said this about him. He oft refreshed me. You know, there have been some people along life's journey that aren't famous. They're not known like the Apostle Paul. But they've been there to encourage the saints of God. There have been people along life's journey that maybe just spoke a word at the right time. Maybe sang a song at just the right time. Maybe just said a kind word at the exact time you needed it. Maybe that person who influenced you, that Sunday school teacher, that preacher who made a difference in your life has refreshed your life. Thank God there are still many that are serving the Lord. Don't let the devil convince you that everybody's quit serving God. That's not true. There's a lot of craziness in this world today. There's a lot of compromise going on in our world today. There's a lot of confusion going on in our world today. But thank God there's some that have just stuck by this stuff. They've been faithful. And I owe a debt to them. I don't want to let my life get sidetracked and stop serving God because of some hurt or some difficulty or some unexpected twist or turn or trial in life. Thank the Lord for the faithful ones. And then let me say lastly, truth is found in the Word of God. You know, we can only find encouragement so long from perhaps an individual. But this book is for us every day. You know, we sing the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But the only way to know that friend is through this book right here. But oh, what a blessing the Word of God is. Paul was talking to them as he is in the prison. It won't be long. His life is going to end. He said, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring it with thee. And the books, he said, but especially the parchments. Paul said, I, I'll tell you, I could do without my coat if I had to. And the other writings if I had to. But boy, don't, don't fail to bring me the parchments. Paul said, I, I need the book. I need the Word of God. Amen. And folks, you and I need God's book. Someone said, well, Brother Graham, I read the Bible and sometimes I just don't get anything out of it. That's okay. Someone else said, it's all right, it's getting something out of you. But the Word of God is an amazing book. You know, I've found when I read the Word of God, if I study the Word of God, if I meditate on the Word of God, and by the way, God doesn't want me as a preacher just to study the Word of God for a sermon. He wants me to be in the Word of God just to help me in my daily walk. 
Oh, how we can grow as a Christian through His Word. Paul said, bring me the Word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16, a beautiful verse said, Thy words were found and I did eat them. And they, uh, he said, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Somebody said, Brother Graham, I'm just so discouraged. I'm so defeated. I just don't know what to do. Can I just remind you, this book tells us that if you're saved, you're his child. And that's enough to just enjoy for all eternity. I'm a child of the King. Child of the King. With Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. But you know, beyond being His child, I have all the wonderful blessings that this book brings to me. The Word of God is a difference maker in our life. The Word of God, dear friend, will fix anything that's wrong with you. You know the answer. We always look, what's the answer? What's the answer? The, the reality is the answers are found right here in this book. It'll fix what's ever wrong in your life. The Word of God, dear friend, will make such a difference. It'll feed you with a fresh meal every day. Well, I tell you, there's nothing like it. I don't have any other book or know any other book like it. I enjoy reading and I'm grateful when I was a boy, my dad encouraged me to read and, and uh, I've surrounded myself with many, many books. And, and there are a few books that I love so much, I've read them more than once and they were a blessing. But you know, there's not any other book that I read like I do the Word of God because it is such an amazing book. It's fresh and new every day. Just like His mercies. You, you read your Bible and you'll see something. You I didn't see that before. Who put that in there? Well, it's always been there. But this book is alive. And what a gift God gave us in His Word. It'll, it'll feed you. It'll fortify you against the attacks of the enemy. It'll fence you in against all the uh, onslaughts of hell. The Word of God will favor your life. You know, you get around people that have the Word of God hid in their heart, and you can just see in their countenance, you can see in their spirit, you can recognize God has favored their life because of His Word. The Word of God will focus you. You don't know what to do with your life? This book will tell you. By the way, let me say this. Everywhere I go, people come to me sooner or later and say, Brother Graham, pray for me. I'm trying to find God's will for my life. And I understand that. But God will never show you the unknown will until you do the known will. You know, there's some things that are the will of God that you may not know. For instance, when I was a boy, I knew eventually God would have me get married. But I didn't know the will of God, who my wife would be when I was seven years of age. When, I, when we moved to Lincoln, I was seven. My wife was six. That's where we met. Now, she proposed that day, but I waited. I'm just kidding. She was quiet. But we grew up around each other. I didn't know that was going to be the will of God for my life. You know what? It didn't matter when I was seven. There were other things that I needed to get taken care of, like getting saved. And I got saved. And then, of course, I followed the Lord in believer's baptism. And then I began to pray and began to read my Bible, began to grow as a Christian. And God began to show me step by step His plan for my life. And the steps, listen, of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That simply means that if you'll get in uh, God's will and do what you know to be the will of God, He'll show you the unknown will. He's faithful like that. The Word of God will focus your attention in. This Bible will cleanse you. Jesus said, now are you clean through the word which I've spoken in you. The word of God will cheer your heart. Have you ever been a little discouraged, maybe a little despondent, maybe just feel a little bit overwhelmed, and all of a sudden read a verse of scripture and it's like, 
Watch just what I mean. The Word of God will cheer you up. I mean, it'll put a smile on your face, a song in your heart. It'll get you excited when you just get in this book. The Word of God will comfort you. So many times I've had to say, Lord, I don't know what to do. This hurts so bad. You know, when we see our loved ones go to heaven, we know they're in heaven, but it doesn't mean that we don't hurt. Our oldest boy's been dealing with some cancer over the last year and a half. And I don't mind to tell you, I told the preacher today, I'd rather be sick myself than have to watch one of my children go through it. I told him when he had his first surgery, I said, man, if, if I could take your place, I would do it. And I meant that, and I would do it every time because, listen, we don't like to see our children suffer. But I want to tell you, just like I'm telling you, I have found and he has found comfort in the Word of God. God is not going to leave us or forsake us. Just one little promise here. Jesus, we're reminded in Hebrew, said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Miss Graham and I have been married 44 plus years. There have been a few times, Brother Smith, when I've had to leave and Miss Graham couldn't go with me. She's gone on many of the mission trips, but there's been some when other preachers have gone and she didn't go and I'd have to leave her at home. But I didn't forsake her. I made sure she had what she needed, you know, food and, and stuff to take care of her and a little shopping money and all that kind of stuff. I didn't forsake her, but I had to leave for a while. You know, in some homes, there are men or women who have not left their home, but they've forsaken it. I know people that live in the same house but don't have anything to do with each other. They're just, quote unquote, there for the children. They just tolerate that relationship till uh, someday they hope it will end. What a sad way to live. Then there are some people that abandon their spouse and, and, and truly leave and forsake them. and That's heartbreaking. But I want to tell you what Jesus said. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I can't go anywhere that He isn't with me. What a comfort that is to my heart. But I'll tell you, the Word of God will correct you. It'll correct your thinking and your behavior and everything else about you. And Paul said, Trophimus, have I left sick? Well, Paul, why don't you... Heal him, man. You've healed so many other people. Well, it doesn't seem like God gave him the green light for that. Paul said, I'm now ready to be offered. Wait a minute, Paul. You've been the great apostle living for God. Why would you have to die a martyr's death? Paul said, I want you to understand. You're looking at it through limited eyesight. But he said, I want you to know the best is yet to come. I'm headed to a better place. Can I just remind you tonight? The devil loves to defeat and discourage and cause God's people to live in a mindset of despair. But I want to encourage you tonight to realize that we are on the winning side and that God is for you and He wants you to walk in the victory that's been promised to you. But you're going to have to look to His Word and keep right, make sure you don't spend your life in bitterness. Thank God for faithful ones that have loved you and prayed with you and prayed for you. And stay in the truth of God's word, and you won't be sorry. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. I want to ask you tonight, how many say, Brother Graham, I know the Lord is my Savior. If I died tonight, I don't have any doubt about it. I'd be in heaven. Would you lift your hand real high and say, I know that for a fact. Thank you. May put them down. I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in this world. But if you don't know that, you need to know that. 
I wonder if there's someone say, Preacher, I know you've preached to the church tonight, but truth be known, if I died tonight, I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know it. You'd say, pray for me. That's the need of my life. I'm not saved, but I need to be. Just slip a hand up, put it right back down. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point at you. I just want to pray for you. I wonder how many say, Preacher, I know I'm saved, but God spoke to my heart tonight. And I just wish you'd pray for me. You'd slip a hand up where you're at. There are a number of hands. God bless you. You all over the auditorium. Let's take time to do business with God tonight. Father, please bless these that lifted their hand and others that maybe couldn't but wanted to. I pray that you would help us to realize that you're for us as we desire to live for you as your children. Lord, strengthen our hearts and our minds. And Lord, when we do face those times in life that we don't understand, help us not to get bitter. Help us not to get backslidden, but help us to be drawn closer to you. Bless this invitation time, we pray in Jesus' name. As the music begins to play and God speak in your heart across this auditorium, would you come? Do business with God. Let him have his way, whatever he's dealing with your heart about. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is faithful. Things are going to happen sometimes in life that we don't understand. Challenges are going to come to our life. But I want to remind you, trust the Lord. He's faithful. Treasure the moments that God gives you. Life's too short to become bitter. If you're dealing with bitterness tonight, my dad was preaching a meeting many years ago and he said bitterness in the Christian life can hinder your family and you won't even realize it. A lady came forward that night and said she was so eat up with bitterness she got right with the Lord, asked God to forgive her, gave up that bitterness. Years later, I was back at the church where she was a member. My dad was already in heaven. But she gave this testimony. She said, that night, God let me know. If I didn't let go of my bitterness, I'd lose my children. And she said, I got right with God that night. She said, Brother Graham, all my children are saved. All of my children are serving the Lord. All of my children are in full-time Christian service. And she said, I often wonder what would have happened to my children if I hadn't given up that root of bitterness that had taken hold. I don't know your need tonight. Thank God for those that have faithfully encouraged us and trust in the Word of God. Would you let Him have His way tonight? The altar's still open. Folks are still praying. Would you come tonight? Let's do business with the Lord.